Howdy friends, welcome to Experience Design with Tony Dosat. I happen to be Tony Dosat. If this is your first time tuning in or you're back for more, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Now, some housekeeping. This podcast is ad-free and my plans are to keep it that way. However, I do want to tell you about something. Over and over again, I get questions in my DMs like, how do I become a UX designer? Or how do I get hired as a UX designer? Or I don't know why I'm not getting hired, etc., etc., etc. You get the idea. Well, never fear. I am creating a course for all of you UX design hopefuls out there. It hasn't launched yet, obviously. But I am running a special little promotion for all of you listeners. If you head over to HiredUX.com, H-I-R-E-D-U-X.com, and pop in your email address, you will be the first to know about the launch, and you'll get 50% off the entire course price. Now then, with that out of the way, let's just jump into this week's conversation. My guest this week is a graphic designer turned brand strategist. She is the co-host of The Future, the lead strategist at Radcat Design, and the founder of Marks & Maker. Please help me welcome Melinda Livesey to the show. Melinda, what a delight it is for me to have you with us today. Well, for me as well. I'm so happy to be here. You're one of those folks that I follow on... I'm just always so intrigued and impressed. And so it really is an honor to have you um, with us today. So you've got a lot going on. Your plate is sort of stacked. It is, and I'm constantly having to rearrange the plates, so to speak, or what's on them or how much I'm putting on them. Because I just imagine visualizing one of those people that has like the poles and they spin the plates and they're always mm-hmm. having to go over here mm-hmm. and then go over there and go over there. Do you ever feel like your life is in that place? I do, but I'm getting a lot better at it because before I used to do it and I used to feel really anxious about everything. Mm. Like I was running around trying to spin all these plates and now I realized, oh, I can pick what plates to spin. I don't have to spin all of these if I don't want to. I don't even have to spin plates at all. So I feel a lot more in control over what I'm doing and I have a lot more choice over what I'm doing. And so it's, um, it's a different feeling that I have because before it was more frantic and now it's a, there's an ease about it. So what was that pivot like for you into intentionality? I think it was just over time. I, and, and I would say it was really starting, um, when I met my coach, Chris, and he pushed me to do things I never thought I could. Mm. And I think when I started putting more things into action, I started trying new things that I had never tried before, going out of my comfort zone, I was getting stronger and more confident. Whereas before I felt like everything and everyone, clients included, were controlling me. Mm. And I didn't realize how much control I have over myself in my life. And I think just moving forward and learning new things and putting things into practice, I started then paving my own way. And and then I was becoming more intentional about things. So I think just, just putting what I was learning into action was a big, big piece of it that gave me the confidence then. It's that old saying that I'm about to butcher, <laughs> which is, which is 
instead of things happening to you, you happen to things. Mm -hmm. I'd butchered it, didn't I? No, I don't know, but I, but I get it. I get what you're saying. I know that concept. That's perfect. That's perfect. I learned that in linguistics too. So I took, um, you know, anthropology of linguistics or something like that in no college. It, the only thing, I, I remember a couple things from it, but they really stuck out to me. And it was very close to what you were saying that they they categorize low and high speech. They, they separated the two and the low speech, which you could get into what that really means. I don't know, but just that the low speech used a lot of words that showed what you were saying. Stuff happens to me. Like the thing is happening to me, mm. but the higher speech was taking responsibility and being an active participant in your own life. So there were certain words that are used in higher speech and it's more of taking responsibility. I don't remember what those words were actually, but it's the same concept that you were talking about. And I feel like I've, I'm slowly moving in that, in that way and taking responsibility for my life and what I do. And, and it's not all about the outside things happening to me, but me happening to life. Yeah, that's huge. And I, I find that when people do start living very intentionally, it reflects in their career trajectory. They start to get raises. They start to get other offers. The, the work gets more interesting and the clients get more interesting and higher paying when you start to get really intentional. And we're going to kind of dig into that a little bit deeper, but I do have a question that is on the top of my mind, which is mm -hmm. how did you get connected with the future and Christo? It's a great question. I love telling this story because it, it always makes me relive what happened. And it was about this time three years ago that I was, I was wanting, I felt really bad about myself about where I was at and my growth at that time. And I have a cousin who's a concept artist and he is, he's always learning. He's always growing. He's, he's just like cranking stuff out all the time. And I was looking at him and I'm like, man, he, he doesn't stop like I do and then just get down on himself. He just keeps going and he just keeps learning. And so it really encouraged me to go out and just learn and get better at what I was doing. And so I found the future and I found Christo, um, all the content that they were putting out. And, and I found out that he had went to art center. He taught at art center. I wanted to go, but never intentionally tried, never applied mm. at that time. And then I saw him and I thought, well, if he was a professor at a school I wanted to go to, but never did. And he's giving away all of this information for free. I would be dumb to not take it and learn from it. So why not? And mm. so I went through his content and on Facebook at that time, they had, um, or he posted a logo study. So it was just a logo assignment that he would have given to his design class. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm getting all this information that I didn't learn in school. I took design, but it wasn't taught in the way he was teaching it. And so I took all of the assignments and I did them. So the first one was tracing a ton of master logos. So things from Paul Rand and Saul Bass mm. and and so I took the logos and I traced them and I, I spent weeks on it, weeks, just as if I were in a college class. And so I did that. I scrolled back through it was before the days that you could save a post on Facebook. So I had to go back and just scroll and scroll and scroll through all of their content to find the posts. Cause he said, put your work in the comments if you actually do it to share. And so I would post my work every week. I would come back and keep posting and keep posting. And I was just engaging with 
the value that he was putting out and the lessons that he was putting out and actually doing them and doing them very well. I, I did them to the standards that I would hold myself to if, if I were in a class and I was learning. Mm. And I got to about the second or third assignment and he was commenting on things and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's commenting on it because <laughs> like my hero. And then he reached out and he DM'd me and he asked, he asked, why are you doing this? Because you obviously don't need to. It's it's good. And I'm like, what? I just got validation from someone I look up to. Mm-hmm. And then he asked, um, he said, you, you study these logos like I would. And is there another me running around out there? And I was like, going to fall off my chair after he oh said that. Gosh, yeah. So I got his attention that way, but I didn't, I wasn't even doing it for his attention. I, I really was doing it just to learn. Like that really was my agenda was I need to learn how to get better. And I'm going to do this exactly how he says it, if not better. And then that day he said, can you hop on a Skype call right now? And I was like, oh, well, yes, I can. I am free. And then that started (laughs) our, our coaching. Like he was like, who are you? What are you doing? What are you struggling with? How can I help you? And it was just an impromptu coaching session for free. And then he called me back the next week and was like, Hey, did you, did you do what I said? And how did it go? What are you struggling with now? And I think we had, I think it was like three calls once a week that it was, it wasn't even planned. He was just, he just reached out and said, how are you doing? And you want to hop on another call? And then by like the third time I'd say, he asked, um, he asked me if I wanted to be coached on YouTube. He's like, what is, what are your thoughts about coming on the show? All you have to do is be utterly honest. And I was like, well, I can do that because <laughs> <So, laughs> I don't have anything else I can bring, but I can bring my honesty and who I am and just ask you questions. Sure. That is really, really something. And there's a lot of, t- a lot of times when we aren't necessarily in the right place, we start just trying things and just start doing things then kismet starts happening. And I really do believe in that, but you have to be intentional. Even if you're in a place where you're not feeling great about your work, you're not necessarily feeling great about yourself. As long as you keep putting yourself out there and being raw about that, it's gonna turn around and it's gonna start happening for you. Now you did transition from what we call an order taker or an executioner. Executioner sounds a little bit cooler than it is. <laughs> to a brand strategist. Mm-hmm. And so so you were in awe of Chris Doe, and he's a teacher. And so you've recently pivoted to being a teacher yourself. And I imagine that hasn't been very easy. Right, because the past, if you if I look back at the past three years, I went from being the order taker, graphic designer, pivoting to strategy, learning how to attract clients with that, learning how to sell that, and then pivoting again to teaching. I've always had the teaching gene in me though. I've all, I've taught piano lessons when I was 16. Oh, is that right? I, yeah, probably severely messed them up, but so I I've always had that. And I did have an e-course, um, that I made a few years back too. So I've always had this want to teach because I do realize that the more I teach, the more I learn as well. Like they say, one, one teaches to learn. Mm. And, and I know that to be true. I've experienced that. Cause even when I taught piano, there were so many things, not just about piano that I learned, but about people 
that I learned just by teaching. And, and so I've always had that in me. And I think too, just following in Chris's footsteps and seeing, seeing the things he, he does and and learning from him and like, wow, I kind of, I want, I want some of that. I want what he's experienced. And, um, and if I have a teacher that is showing me the way too, then I've got, I've got my path. I've got my guide right to, to the path. So, but yeah, it's been hard. It's been hard to, um, mentally make that shift too. And I've talked about this on the show in the future of like, am I qualified to even teach? Mm. Like I switched to brand strategy. I've been doing it for almost three years, but is that enough for me to be able to teach? And um, so I have those doubts that come up. I think that's the biggest thing that was the difficulty for me. Like everything else I can figure out how to teach things, the technical things, all that I can figure it out. But this, the mindset, the self-doubt, that stuff is a lot harder to get through, but it is easier if you have a guide, if you have a coach to help you through that. I think mentors are so important to have. And a lot of people will ask, you know, how do you find a mentor? And the thing is, you just ask and you have to be specific about what you'd like out of your mentor and come at it from a place of vulnerability but also intentionality and seek them out and see who might be a great fit for you and get into proximity with them you said something really interesting um i want to think like that and your call to action for marks and maker is get paid to think so Mm -hmm. let me ask you without giving away too much because I imagine you'd like to get people to sign up. (laughs) How do you get paid to think? And what does that mean? You're asking deep questions. Hey, I love it. I love it. Make me articulate things that I haven't before. I really appreciate that. That's what we go for here. Yeah. (laughs) So as a, as a creative person, I would ask you this too. Have you ever had a client that just told you what to do? Oh, a nauseating oh, I amount. Mind. I have this thing in mind and I just, I just need someone to execute it. Especially early on in my career, you know, there, there's the idea of, I have this thing, Hey, my nephew drew this or my cousin drew this and they already have it in their head exactly like it's going to be. And you end mm-hmm. up going through 1300 revisions just to get mm-hmm. the damn thing looking like they wanted it to look as opposed to is that really the best way mm-hmm. to do it? Exactly. So we have so we have the one scenario. Now let me ask you, have you ever had a time, maybe that happened, or maybe you had another another client where you had all of these ideas and you're thinking, oh my gosh, if they like this would work so well, this would solve the problem. What if they did this? Have you ever been in that flow state where, or maybe it was with the client, maybe it was with your own stuff, where you're just your your creative juices are flowing. And you're having a ton of ideas. Have you had that? Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Things like that. Wouldn't it be cool if? Wouldn't it be cool if? That's like the creative's dream to come up with these amazing ideas and people actually use them. Not be the one that's just the executioner of someone else's ideas. Mm. So getting paid to think is the second scenario where all of those creative ideas that you have, you, those are welcomed and they're valued. And then people actually pay for them. They don't just pay for the execution of it. Sometimes they just pay for the ideas. 
Yeah. So literally those creative ideas that we cherish so much and we love and we wish clients would take and implement, those are the things that I'm trying to help people get paid for, is that creative thinking, not just the end deliverable product. So how do you facilitate a strategy workshop now? Yeah, so yeah, comparing to what I used to do, I did send a questionnaire mm -hmm. that was very specific to the ask of the client. And the ask was usually, I need a new logo, I need new branding. And so I would send them this really long questionnaire. It was homework for my client mm -hmm. and it took a while for them too. And it was, you know, what brands do you resonate with and what's your backstory? And so it was a lot of questions that, uh, maybe I would ask in a, a brand workshop too, but, but it was not done together. So it was just left to the client to get stuck on. It's so easy to get stuck on things when you're just asked one question and then no oh. follow-up. So, um, yeah, so it was a good questionnaire. So then when I switched to strategy, it was more of the why. So, so why are we doing this? And it is, um, to give context to, it's a two day workshop. And, and so there's a whole thing behind like how we even sell strategy. And mostly it's, you're selling the outcome. Like what is, where are you trying to get with this new rebrand or this logo? Why even do it? Why invest in it? Is it worth it to get you to where you want to go? Is that even going to, going to do that? Is it going to open up the new market that you want? Do you even want to open up a new market? Do you just want to serve the people who you have? better. So I'm digging into the motivations of why would someone even be motivated to contact me in the first place mm. for design or for branding or, or whatever it is. Like we don't want to sell, Hey, I do branding and Hey, I do logos. We want to sell the outcome. You want to start attracting your ideal client. You want to double your revenue. You want to open up a new market that you haven't even been in before. So we want to sell those types of outcomes. And when I started thinking of it in that way, instead of selling my deliverable, like you want a logo, here you go. Selling the outcome, then change the whole dynamic of the relationship. And then they didn't care if it was a two day workshop because they're like, well, if this is going to get me to my outcome, then let's do it. Right. So it became less about my own process and more about their goal and where I was trying to help them get to. That is so huge. I'm going to do two more questions. One, I ask every guest at the end of each episode. The other, I've never asked a guest. But before I do that, where can people find you, reach out, connect, etc.? Well, I am on The Future, so people can see the most recent shows on The Future's YouTube. Uh, they can find me very active on Instagram under Melinda Livesey. They can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter. Linda Livesey, and then marksandmaker.com is where they can get more information about brand strategy. If they're interested and want more information, I try to write as much as I can in my emails and my blog as well. Awesome. Check it out, peeps. Now, here we go. I want you to think of the most important person in your life. Now, have you got the person? Gosh, there's so many. Just one. Okay, I'll pick one. I'll pick one. The got most it. important person. Okay, you got it. Okay. Now, what would they say is the thing that you need to work on the most? Ooh, I know what I would say. So maybe that's what they would say. Let's go with that. I still have a tendency to jump into giving advice instead of just listening. Mm, that's huge. 
That's huge. Listening is the strongest tool in a designer's toolkit, if you were to ask me. And again, it's hard to just do that and not jump to the advice. Okay, we covered that. Now, think of the same person. What would they say is the most impactful quality about you? I would say, oh, these are good. You're good. <laughs> this You're is good. the first time we've done this question on the show. This is hard. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is how I am able to articulate my thoughts and feelings in a way that someone else resonates with. So they say, I've gotten this a lot from people, including people that are closest to me, that I articulate things that they've thought and felt, but they were unable to put it into words. Mm, I like that. Okay, now the final question that I ask every guest, which is what non-digital thing that you own or possess means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? Oh, my dog. Does that count? Oh, yeah, it's not digital. That'll it's my work. Dog. He better not be like his eyeball falls out. He's like a robot. <laughs> oh, it's my dog. He's just, he's always there. He's really, really cuddly. And it feels like he looks into your soul. When he looks into your eyes, he's very calm. So just his presence. So paint a picture. What kind of dog do you have? What's the dog's name? His name is Jack. He came with it. He's a rescue. Mm. And he is a Dachshund Lab mix. So he looks like a miniature lab. Oh, what a cutie a tootie he must puppy. be. Oh, he's really cute. Puppy dog. Well, yeah. Melinda, thanks for having fun with me. Thank you for the incredible insights. And I insist you come back on the show. There is no no here, even though I love no. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Good questions. That will do it for this week, friends. Thank you again to my guest, and thank you again to all of you tuning in. I can't tell you how valuable you are to me. I would also like to give a really special shout out to all of the new patrons of the show, including, of course, my new executive producer, Brian Sullivan. Now, if you're wondering how you might best support the show, head over to patreon.com slash xd podcast that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash xd podcast i also have a link in the show notes and check out all the perks of becoming a patron of the show here and listen if patreon doesn't float your boat if it's not your thing i get it but a subscribe or a view or share it's always just as meaningful as something like patreon to me it really is so impactful. So with that, I can't wait to have you back next week. But until then, friends, stay curious. Experience Design is part of XD Media, LLC. All opinions are my own and do not reflect those of my current or former employers. 